0: Hello and welcome to the Right for Your Life podcast. I am joined, as ever, by my co-host, Donna Sorensen, based in Copenhagen, coming out of Copenhagen.
1: Coming at you from Scandinavia.
0: Absolutely. And um and it turns out, Donna, that this happens to be the one hundredth episode of the Right for Your Life podcast.
1: Wow. Oh, do you know that was just such a missed opportunity? I should have done like a <laughs> or some kind of sound effect like that
0: you you would think after all these episodes that I would have got some kind of sound effect board in place but sadly not
1: (laughs) oh well never mind it's a wonderful wonderful achievement eh for you to have been there sitting there on your bottom for a hundred episodes I can't claim to have been there for a hundred but um it's amazing
0: you can't you're you're a relative newcomer in terms of uh being here on a regular basis but of course you have uh, I think you have appeared in every season is that right
1: uh, could well be. Could well be. Yes. Well, I mean, I, ju- I remember when it all started. I do. Not that I was there, but I remember. Do you? Do you? <laughs> yeah. Or <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, <yeah>, kind of.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you do,
1: though, don't you? Do you remember sitting down and uh, and fiddling around with a computer and being like, "Oh, I'm I bet, yeah, I'm going to do a podcast."
0: I do remember because uh, I remember because well, one because I, it was me. I was there and I did it. Um, but I, but I also remember because it was. See, th- things have changed now. I th- this podcast isn't like most podcasts as people um, uh, understand them now, where people actually go, "Well, we'll start a podcast and we will turn up every week, and that will be the podcast because that's how podcasts work." It's a, it's an extremely regular thing. You can never miss one. And um, and these are the hosts, and this is this is what we do. It was far more slapdash for me because I'd started Write For Your Life, the blog. And the reason I decided to do a podcast was because it had gone quite well. I'd gathered a few hundred subscribers in the first few months. And I thought, well, the natural thing to do now is to uh, do a podcast instead. So I just kind of, um, I, I sat down in front of, I th- it wasn't in front of the microphone. It was probably with, it was probably with like Apple headphones with the mi- you know, with the microphones on.
1: Oh, oh Back in the day, back,
0: yeah. Indeed, and um, and and it was just me talking for about twenty minutes. And that episode is called "Me, Me, Me," and um, and in it <laughs> might it might not even have been that long. I, I don't remember. Um, but then, then I quickly started doing podcasts with someone else with Manuela Boyle. So we did a few, but it was very difficult to get any kind of regularity because we were doing it on our lunch breaks because we used to work together. And so it was, um, uh, you know, if we had work on, then we just didn't do it. And eventually I got kind of fed up of that. So there was a big long gap of months and months where there was no podcast recorded at all. Then there was a period where I just did them on my own for like four or five minutes. There's only there's only about sort of, I don't know, maybe between five and ten of those episodes uh, remaining, perhaps even less. I don't know. Um, And um, and then, of course, the big change for the podcast was when um, 70 decibels led by. The, uh, the the captain Mike Hurley um, invited me to join the network, and me and him recorded regularly together every week for 30 episodes, and it tracked the me getting a publisher to the publication of my novel Ace for Angelica, and then um, I had children stop for three or four weeks, maybe a little bit longer, maybe two months, and then and then third season started, and you know 30 what's this 36 episodes later here we are and um so it's been it's it's changed from being very very unprofessional not a lot of thought gone into it to now vaguely professional in the sense that we record fairly regularly and there are two of us and i have a decent microphone and i know how to do it (laughs) but the preparation bit you know
1: well look i mean at least i'm there every week eh?
0: You are, and you've been. You have, and and I thank you for that because you know it's not easy to turn up every week, and I can't quite believe that I managed to turn up at, uh, for a hundred episodes. And I know, So, it's so, um, so yes, it's been a, uh, it's it 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 goes from strength to strength to strength. It's a joy to it's a joy to be here with you. Oh
1: yeah, likewise.
0: And of course, so, of course. Yeah. Before we carry on, before I should say thank you to to uh, you listeners who have listened. I'm sure that there are very few of you who've listened to all all of those episodes. But um but um I, I very much appreciate all the support and plays and all that kind of thing over the years and as things stand now the podcast is by far the most successful thing that I do. So thanks everyone.
1: Here, here. Cheers. I'm I'm just gonna take a sip of tea to say cheers. Cheers.
0: <laughs> what went wrong? It
1: just went a bit wrong. <laughs> <coughs> Oh, <clears throat> sorry.
0: So, later on in this podcast, I'm going to talk about my three... Mm. They're not my three favourite episodes, but they are three episodes where I I think I, I was... If I didn't quite... I may not have managed it, but I think... <coughs> <come> on, <laughs> are you all right?
1: Oh, I did. I took it down the wrong way.
0: We've all done it. Go on, go I'm on. Going to, I'm going to talk about three episodes which I think are worth going back and listening to, if not for kind of listening to how sort of fresh-faced and bussy, bushy-tailed I was back then. Mm-hmm. Um but also they're the kind of three subjects that I think make up my own philosophy on writing and my own kind of approach to um, to, to writing. So I, I think they're interesting for those for, for for those reasons.
1: That's great, yeah.
0: But before that, we're going to talk about reading habits.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: It's one of the things that we do now that we didn't used to is talk about a wider spectrum of things. So where it was always very writing-focused, I like the fact that we now talk about reading and publishing and and other things too, because they, these are all things that make up what it is to be a writer. So, exactly.
1: um You can't write without reading.
0: You can't. Do you think that's true?
1: I totally do. I totally do.
0: It's one of those mantras, isn't it?
1: Yeah. I mean... I, I i wouldn't say you have to read everything I've been thinking about this actually sometimes it can be a hindrance if you've read if you've got an idea for a story and you end up reading something which is quite similar and it puts you off. some people just go for it and um and don't ever think about anything like that if they haven't read something then they're not going to worry too much about what you know if what they've written is similar to other things are they
0: that's true and it's um uh, uh, and that is that is i think that's more and more common that but I've talked about this before the idea of it being important and maybe this is because I come from a literary background, so a, a, a more traditional kind of background in the sense that I did an English degree and what have you. But I always think it's so important to have an understanding of the literary canon um. and so that you know, and I've talked about this so many times, but so that you know that the book that you're writing, that, that, that there is a wider context, that your book, should it be published in any way, that you know where it sits in the grand scheme of literature and you have to, uh, uh, you, you don't have to have read everything, but you need to at least have read some specific things and at least have a good understanding of what came when and what it meant to each sort of literary era, if that makes sense.
1: Absolutely. And uh, yeah, I mean, it goes without saying that that's going to help your chances of getting published as well, isn't it? If you know what what people are wanting at certain times. But I do, my mum, my I do remember my mum saying something to me once and that is that like, it's not so much that you have to have a completely unique idea these days, you know. You you just have to have said something in a different way. And I think I was thinking about Harry Potter when I was talking to her about this, because I always thought, I wonder if J.K. Rowling ever read The Worst Witch. Did you ever read The Worst Witch books?
0: I didn't know, but she has been accused of nicking the idea from a couple of authors, I think.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, I read The Worst Witch when I was kid and I absolutely adored it and that was the first thing I thought when Harry Potter came out, I was like, well, I'm not reading that because that's just exactly like a copy of The Worst Witch um, and then look what look what Harry Potter is now people, look. I mean people won't even know what the worst witch is in, the, in a generation younger than us.
0: It's true have you read Harry Potter by the way?
1: I've read one of them. Just the one? Yeah. How come? I don't know I, I, I just watched the films <laughs> I don't know, it wasn't It's really bad to say. It wasn't my cup of tea.
0: That's not bad to say. I think that's perfectly all right to say.
1: Um, I just think life's life's a bit too short, isn't it? Like we said, if you've... That's, That's not a... I wouldn't count that as one of the books I've started and not finished, because I did finish the one, the first one, but I just didn't pick up any of the other ones afterwards. Have you read them?
0: I read the first three, and I stopped reading them before the last... Two, two or three came out. So I think there were only five that existed or something like that, yeah. maybe even less. I read the first three, and then I got to the really the first one that was really big. And um, I started reading it, and I thought, do you know what? I've read the same book three times now, and um, I'm not sure I want to do it again, so I stopped. But I have been tempted to go back and, and read them, partly, partly because... Um, um, I, I, I've seen the films and for some reason at the moment, a bit like Game of Thrones, I seem to be interested in watching something and then going to find out what the book was like. Yeah. But, but also because they're kind of, it's it's so, I, I think it's fair to say, so culturally significant now.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, totally. I still always have in the back of my mind that thing about the worst witch. I can't get it out of my head, you know, because they were just so so dear to me when I was younger,
0: the worst witch books. Was she really that bad? Who? The witch.
1: <laughs> no, of course she wasn't Mildred Hubble. She was amazing. That's the point.
0: Anyway. <laughs> so, how do you choose what book to read next? That was the question that got me on, that got made me think about. I've been thinking about reading a lot this year because I've done far more reading than I've done writing for one reason or another. And I made a conscious effort this year to read quite a diverse range of books. But, um, I, I can't remember the conversation we had, but for some reason the question I asked you was, how do you choose what book to read next? So I don't yeah. think we I don't think the conversation went any further because we said we would discuss it here. So, yeah, um, so tell because
1: me. I finally finished um, the Hit bring up the bodies Hilary Mantel's second book about Thomas Cromwell, um, which I had enjoyed, but I just was really excited about reading something else with a really different feel and, um, and yeah so like yesterday i was sitting there going well what am i going to read this is really exciting and i went through to my bookshelf and i was just massively uninspired and i don't don't know why it was really it was really weird so i picked off in the end i took off a sebastian forks book and i read the first two lines and then i was like nope that's not for now and i put that to one side um and then I did watch it, which what's always I find great to do in between books is just to dip in and out of some poetry collections instead.
0: Um, I, c- I can recommend a book for you. Oh, go on. The Worst Witch.
1: <laughs> read it. Done it. Actually, I wanted. I really wanted to read that uh, Shock of the Fall that, you, that you'd um, told me about ages ago.
0: For a friend of the podcast, Nathan Filer. It's a, it's a hit smash. It's doing extremely well. And I <laughs> suppose suspect- <laughs> It's not a joke.
1: No, 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 what hit smash.:
0: You know it's, 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 it's done really joke. well. <laughs> it's, it's done really well, and
1: um, you said it ran the wrong way, not the fact that it wasn't a, a hit smash.
0: Oh I see, so I should have said smash hit.
1: Yeah, no, I think it, I think it's going to take off and um, hit smash. And I saw <laughs> it I saw him in the bookshop here in Copenhagen, I went to a book launch and I saw it. On the, I spied it on the shelf. Mm. and I was like, "Oh, I'm going get that." And then um, sorry to Nathan if he's listening. I thought, my God, look how much it costs in Copenhagen! It was unbelievable how much it cost to buy books here. So I thought, I'm gonna, I'm gonna wait until I go back to the UK, and I'm gonna buy it there.
0: Yeah, I don't think the paperback version has come out yet, but it's it's one of the books that I've read uh, this year, and I've recommended it before. It's it's great.
1: That's great. And then my um, my sister, well, one of my sisters is studying Anglo-Saxon, Norse, and Celtic studies, and she's uh, reading a lot of. Um, ancient Icelandic poetry and sagas and all the Edda and all that lot. Um, and I bought, ages and ages ago, I bought Tolkien's book, The Legend of Sigurd and Gurun. And I've been chatting to my sister about it. And I think that is going to be the book I'm going to read next.
0: And so what what process led you to that decision? So that's just because it's something that your sister uh, recommended or sent you. It's a recommendation because you just said, I was thinking about what to read next, and I went to my bookshelf. So that's that's something that not everyone does. No, They're no, really... but then
1: not everybody lives in a place where you know to buy a new book costs twenty quid.
0: That's true. So you're influenced perhaps quite a lot by your setting, you the way you, the way where you live.
1: Yeah, I mean, I try. I, whenever I see books when I go home and stuff, I try to grab things, and, and I've, all, I've got loads of books on my bookshelf that I haven't read because I feel like I have to stock up um and um yeah so i do go there first but i mean yeah this time i wasn't that excited and then i forgot that i had this book so i i that's yeah i think because it's there and i've been meaning to read it for ages she just reminded me about it because she's well into it all at the moment and it's really exciting having somebody that's that's studying it to to kind of tell you look oh this happens and this is really great this bit you know so i'm definitely going to go launch into that
0: so have you ever had a, a reading list so some people will have um a list of books um some people would even even make a list of books let's say for argument's sake at christmas and they make a list of the books that they will read the following 12 months and they will literally work through them one by one and perhaps even if they don't go through them in the order that they made the list the aim will be to read the books that they set out to read at the start of the year kind of forget new books almost
1: yeah i mean that is well okay because you don't even know what books are going to be out in the next year do you
0: no but the point i guess is that you 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 can never read you know who's read all the books on their shelves no one um so so uh so why not stick to stick to ones that you've already read sorry that you haven't already read that you uh, that you already own yeah
1: no i mean that's true um That's just, you know, I'm sure that I had a little list. I'm not somebody that sticks to them, but I definitely made one of books I should read. It wasn't necessarily books that I wanted to read. It was years and years ago I made it where people have been talking to me about books and I was like, oh, you know, I really should read that one. I had a should read list and I don't think I've got very far on it. Stuff like Huckleberry Finn, which I really want to read and I've never read. Have you read it?
0: I haven't read it, but I have got, one of those lists too and I've got some books in front of me I actually bought the box set about 3 months ago the books the box set of vintage children's classics which includes the secret garden little women and alice's adventures in wonderland none of which I've read
1: all right okay
0: so I was thinking of reading one of those in the near future before Christmas at least but um it's more of a mental reading list so I've I think one of the things that I'm, I'm I don't really have a system for choosing what to read, but I do tend to go for things that I've bought recently or that are or, or new books as well. Um, that's what I've always tended to do, and it's why I've got quite a lot of books on my shelves that are unread because you know inevitably. You know, two for three in Wardstones and all that business that there used to be. You would go and you'd buy three books. You'd read the one that you want to read most, and you stick the other two on your shelf. And then you wait until the next time you bought two for uh, three for two, and uh, and do the same thing. So you collect lots of unread books. And I have a habit. I certainly used to have a habit of of um, of going for stuff that I've recently bought because yeah. it's it's kind of fresh and 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 you you know that that kind of when you bought it you thought oh I want to read that and that thought is still with you so you so you do it the other thing of course that i used to having done an english degree and and my masters my creative writing masters was the same is that i'd be told what to read so for um four years of my life which is quite a lot um in my adult life in my 20s four years i had reading lists and i would, they were they were i had a reading list for every module so i'd have i'd have say two modules a semester that were that were the prose. i would have a poetry and then a script writing um, 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 uh, module. So I had loads of stuff to read, and I basically had, you know, I didn't read anything for any birds of common's pleasure. Although, of course, a lot of those were classics and fantastic books and a pleasure to read. But there wasn't any choice um, from my side of things. So it's actually I've never really formed that kind of um, that kind of system of my own.
1: Did you enjoy being told what to read
0: for a while? Um yes, because I mean you you kind of you're told what to read at school as well to to a point although less of it I guess. Well much less of it actually. Um, but yeah, I quite like a reading list because it's almost, almost a, especially the, the on, on the Masters, because, you know, there are some fantastic books. Some of the books that I read on my Masters have, are the ones that stuff like Ray Carver's Short Stories and John McGregor's If Nobody Speaks of Remarkable Things. These sort of, sort of stuff that had a huge influence on my own writing. Mm. And, you know, I, though, though both of those examples are not in any way obscure, they are, um, you know, I, maybe I wouldn't have read them if it weren't for the fact that I was on those courses and being you know, told what to read.
1: Yeah, totally. Um, I don't know if I ever told you this, but I, I was talking to somebody who had done a creative writing master's and um lovely person, by the way. I would just like to start by saying that. They said to me, um we were having a conversation about, um I can't remember which book it was. I asked them if they'd read a book and they said to me, in all seriousness, they said, actually, I don't read um any books written within the last hundred years?
0: They're all rubbish, aren't they?
1: <laughs> now, when they said when I said 100 years, it might have been less than 100 years, but that was basically the gist. It was that any new books they weren't interested in that, they were only interested in classics, which I thought was amazing for somebody who had actually studied you know creative writing to be able to say so definitively that they only went for a certain time period and that's all they were interested in.
0: What, what was the logic behind that?
1: I didn't go any further because I presumed there was no logic. <laughs> but it's amazing, isn't it?
0: It is. It seems it seems a bit of an odd thing to do to me.
1: But you think that a creative writing course would actually have requirements that some that modern books were on it? Like you know, they're not going to say we're only studying books from this certain period.
0: But a, the, the demographic of people who people that go on. Postgraduate writing courses, and I'm sure there's an episode of the podcast in the past somewhere where I've said the similar sort of thing. Um, there are quite a lot of lone wolves, to put it um, in a slightly obscure way. There are people. Uh, you have people who are very open-minded and w- willing to learn, and and uh, just want to make their writing better. Who go on these courses, but you also have quite a lot of people who think that they think. I'm not saying that your pal is this type of person but people who think that they know best and go well I don't need to read contemporary books I don't need to read your reading list I don't need to listen to your writing advice in yeah. fact why am I here I'm awesome
1: <laughs> yeah amazing I guess yeah it takes all sorts It does. yeah well um I'm very excited to read this book but what I would really really like to do is just live in a country where books didn't cost so much money. That's, that's all I just want to say on the matter, because I do feel that it just restricts you. You don't have endless money, you know? And I do love going back to Oxfam bookshops and just having a good old route around.
0: Ooh, see, I stopped doing that. Oh, why? I stopped buying books for... because Not that I bought lots, but I did, you know, if I was in a charity shop for some reason or another, then I would usually just pick up a book for a couple of quid. But um, I stopped doing it because bookshops need all the support that they can get. And I would rather, I basically decided that I would rather spend my money on new books from actual bookshops who need the money also. I know that charities need the money and they do wonderful work. But, you know, me me buying a rehashed, uh, already used copy of one book when I can go and spend just a few more pounds... In, in a proper bookshop i thought that it was as a as an author i as i, I thought that that was a conscious decision i had to make
1: mm, no i well i totally respect that um i don't really tend to buy new books actually when i think about it in oxfam bookshops i do tend to go and pick up really old ones
0: like um Stuff that's like, out, stuff that's out of print, or do you mean things? Well, that no,
1: I mean they're not necessarily not. It might not necessarily be out of print, but it certainly is not like a new book with some that somebody is wanting to sell lots of copies of right now. Let's put it that way. Mm. Um, but uh, I'm just trying to think about the last one I bought. No, I, I can't remember. But anyway, yeah, no, I mean, I, t- I totally see where you're coming from there. I'm not judging you. I feel so judged. <laughs> I'm sorry. All the poor, yes,
0: <laughs> people
1: now that are not just going to get my, uh, you know, one pound fifty from the book that I spent on the me, and that's just terrible.
0: I know. You know, it's just—it was. I just felt like it was a decision I, uh, I needed to, uh, I needed to take. But you know, you go buy whatever you want. You and everyone listening—you can buy your books from wherever you want, as long as you're reading. That's the main thing oh yeah so uh, here's here's something I've never quite understood people who reread books all the time is that something you do
1: oh my god I was just going to ask you the same thing because I've got this real urge like yesterday I was looking on my bookshelf catch 22 is looking right in the face there we've been talking about it recently and I'm like wondering now whether it really was my favorite book I've ever read because I read it so many years ago really really tempted to read it again but there's just something in me that's just like I can't read a book again
0: yeah. Yeah. There's no
1: time. There's no time to do that.
0: Yeah, I that is exactly my and I feel the same about watching films again as well. I think I just feel like if I'm going to spend let's say it takes 10 hours to read a book, I, f- I think 10 hours that's a lot of hours. I could read a whole new book in that amount of time.
1: Yeah.
0: And um so that's kind of how I feel about it. There's only a couple of books that I have considered rereading recently actually. And one of them I've already mentioned is If Nobody Speaks of Remarkable Things by John McGregor because I loved the book and it was a huge influence on me and I kind of want to go back and remember remember why. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: although I know why, but I want to just re- sort of refresh myself. But also the other thing, the other one is uh, Cat's Eye by Margaret Atwood. So uh, again, oh. again, a book that made me want to be a writer. And I, I say this regularly. Um, but... Um, Uh, It's been ages since I've read it. It could be rubbish for all I know. (laughs) Oh no,
1: don't worry. I read it quite recently. It's not (laughs) okay. Fine. (laughs) Yeah, but I mean, you know, still, I think there's something quite interesting. Like if you, if you, if people ask you what's your favourite book, and you know, you you feel like you have to say something. When I say something, I always say Catch Twenty Two. But now I feel like it's I should if I want to get to know myself better right now. Whether I want to see whether I've changed whether the world is what I think it is, that I should reread Catch-22 again now, just to double-check.
0: Maybe. It's a, it's a big one, though, isn't it?
1: Yeah. Maybe I should just leave it and, and just be happy that I had that experience with it back then and not push it.
0: Maybe. Maybe you should just... Well, be just uh, remember it how it's... Uh, try, re- try and remember it for what it was.
1: Exactly. That's
0: probably the best, I reckon. OK.
1: Here, now, come on. Are you going to tell us about these three episodes of the podcast that you uh, feel kind of basically sum up the whole spirit of Write
0: for Your Life. I wouldn't quite go that far, but, you know, I just felt, I was just trying to, you know, that's quite a lot of episodes. There are some really good ones. One of the, you know, a couple of the didn't make the cuts. Um, There was an episode with um, uh, Joanna Penn called How to Take Your Writing Seriously or something like that, where we just went through this list and that was really good. That was in the last series. I I haven't got the number to hand. Um, The problem that... Listeners may have at the moment, although this is going to change. Of course, it's over three, th- three seasons. So there are, there are now a hundred shows, but um, they're in three seasons, which are go thirty-three episodes, thirty episodes, and then thirty-six and counting, uh, thirty-seven and counting. Oh my <laughs> gosh! Maybe this is not. Have I miscounted?
1: Don't just keep going. Just don't <laughs> even think about it.
0: So, so um, they're not. I'll, I'll give you both numbers, but basically. Um, yeah, there are a few that uh, missed out, but the ones that I chose were ones that stuck in my mind. Um, and they're not particularly astounding content-wise, but I just thought they were they were interesting. So the first one was, um, we'll go in chronological order, actually. So the first one was episode 15, way back when. And this is an episode that I recorded all on my own. Um,
1: oh yeah (laughs) what a surprise (laughs) it
0: it was supposed to be with Manuela Boyle and um, so quite early on and she couldn't make it but I'd written all these notes and I'd really got this idea of what I wanted to say and um, and so I just decided to record it anyway and it was called episode 15 so also obviously season 1 episode 15 um, getting funky with rhythm and prose cool Good title, eh?
1: Way nice.
0: <laughs> but it's basically me talking about rhythm in in writing and my approach to uh, to writing in some ways, and how I how I always in my head whenever I'm writing, I'm always going. And I've talked about this since a few times, but I'm always kind of doing the, the old iambic pentameter style: bedum, 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 dum badum dum badum, ba-dum, 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 ba-dum dum etc. So I have I have a kind of a mental rhythm because I think it's without wanting to repeat the entire podcast is it's rhythm is the most important thing when it comes to the actual practical hands on process of writing. If the rhythm is out, then your sentence is screwed. Mm -hmm. And it's so important to go back and reread and edit and read aloud when you wherever possible and every single, people always say every sentence counts or every word counts. But for me, it's always been every single syllable counts. Mm-hmm. And because, and and you know, choosing the word however instead of but, you know, there's three syllables difference there. It will in- change the entire sentence. Yeah. Um. So that was the first episode. The second one was. Did you
1: consider calling that episode Rhythm is a Dancer?
0: Um, I didn't, but I should have done.
1: So, right. Anyway, it's, you know we all make mistakes. Carry on.
0: The second episode was uh, the second one I recorded with Mike. So this was quickly after the big change where things started to get a bit more professional, and it was season two, episode two. So episode thirty-five in total, and it was called Mike Records Podcasts. And the reason it was called Mike Records Podcasts was because records in that example is an active an active verb, and the entire episode was at about an hour long and it was me going through all the rules of plain English and <laughs> <laughs> which sounds really tedious no
1: actually it's good guys you go and listen to it which one was it did
0: you say episode well episode 35 in total but season two episode two Mike records podcasts and I was talking about how pl- learning plain English when I was just starting my copywriting career and trying to write my novel at the same time how learning to write in a more simple way i was basically terrified that having to learn plain english for my copywriting was going to mean that my creative writing really suffered but actually it taught me how to edit and it just made me a better writer in every single regard and if there is if there's one thing that i can i would recommend anyone to anyone writing to do it's to just read the there'll be a there's a if you go to the plain english campaigns website there's loads of free material but basically learn those principles and just always have them in the back of your head so it's stuff like use short sentences um, um, um use active verbs don't be afraid to ask a question don't be af- don't be afraid to um give an instruction um all sorts of fairly straightforward advice um, for copywriters, but which really helped me with my creative writing as well. And it's the whole thing. It wasn't really supposed to be that way, but it just turned into me providing some kind of seminar of some sort. (laughs)
1: Well, that's really cool, though. I bet people were well into that.
0: I don't think we got much feedback, to be honest. (laughs) Oh,
1: yeah, but people would, uh, you know, I mean, they used it. They used it, I'm
0: sure. I'm sure, I'm sure. Um, And then finally there was an episode and it was this was I, I think I think both me and Mike finished recording this episode and we both sort of said to each other off microphone that that was actually sounded surprisingly useful and quite quite good and it was season two episode 22 episode 55 in total and it was called being a confident writer and um, I, I remembered hardly doing any preparation for it whatsoever, and. I was just talking and having a chat and the conversation was fairly natural and it was about the need to be confident when you're a writer, but also the need to have humility as well and trying to strike the balance and, um, and how difficult it is to be a confident writer, um, especially when you're first starting out and all that kind of thing. So, um, so they're my three, they're my picks. Which was your favorite Donna?
1: Well, you can't just ask me like that now.
0: I know it was a bit. It was a bit cruel. Presumably, yours is. Yours has to be one of the uh, last ten to fifteen.
1: Not necessarily. <laughs> I, I. 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 Honestly, I'm sitting here in a complete buzz. I've got no idea which one my favourite is.
0: I'm joking. You don't. You...
1: I like season two, episode seven.
0: Well, that, that was an absolute cracker. Let's find out what that was. Oh, maybe. Well, you could tell us, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> season two, episode seven. Yeah. Yeah. That was called, well, what, a, what, a, what, a, what an episode to choose. That episode is called Published. And that episode, episode seven of the Right for Your Life podcast is now available. In it, I talk about my special announcement on Monday and look forward to what comes next for me in the publishing process. I think it should be interesting to any of you who might be going through or who would like to go through the process of writing a book and getting it published. So presumably, presumably my announcement was that I got a publishing deal.
1: Well, they what? Well, yeah, well, that's exactly why I picked that episode because I really like that. I really like the fact that you got published.
0: <laughs> Thanks.
1: <laughs> oh yeah. Um, yeah, well, that's yeah, that's awesome. I'm I definitely i'm gonna i'm gonna go and um, listen to those two in particular because you know, I mean, there's there's a hundred of them, and if I said that I'd listen to every single one of them, I might not be telling the absolute
0: truth. I've got no idea what half of them are about. To be honest. <laughs>
1: Well, what's the next one going to be
0: about? Who knows? Let's decide next Thursday night at 10 to 9 before we record. <laughs> Don't
1: say that. No. Could be well prepared
0: for it. Indeed. Well, if anyone... Has, well, we should say this. We are open to suggestions. If anyone has any idea for topics, if you want to know something about a specific element of the writing process or the or the publication process, or if you want to know more about certain books reading publishing whatever it might be then feel free to get in touch and let us know what you want us to talk about that's uh, those those ideas are more than welcome
1: absolutely and um i'm happy to say quick few words next week about how i'm in a weird place where i feel like i should be writing new stuff but then i'm like well no because i should actually be like trying to get the word out about my book
0: I, i know exactly what you mean i've been living in that hell for the last year
1: that is a that's a really weird I mean it's a delightful balance because you feel like you're on the other side of the fence you know you actually you have a book so that's great but um you feel like it's this thing that you should be putting absolutely every minute into and you just can't ever do enough for it you can't you can't ever do enough for it no but anyway that's yes for another time
0: indeed so if people do want to get in touch specifically with you how would they do that
1: they would do it on um I'd say first and foremost, Twitter at The Flying Poet, otherwise Facebook um slash Donna oh yeah Donna Sorensen Poetry or my jazzy new website, sorensonpoetry.com.
0: Marvellous. And if you want to get in touch with me, you can go to Twitter at Ian Broom, I-A-I-N-B-R-I-A-I-N-B-R-D-O-M-E. And if you want to go and listen to all the previous episodes of the podcast then you're mad but if you want to listen to some specific ones then you can do and they are at ianbroom.com slash podcast or you can also go to 70 decibels.com slash write for your life and um, if you want to email me you're also welcome to do that you can do so um, by emailing ian i a i n at rightforlife.net. and congratulations
1: ian Honestly, 100 100 episodes, that's
0: fab. Thanks, Donna, much appreciated. And here's to 100 more with you.
1: Way, yeah.
0: And um, that's it. We'll speak to you next week.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Cool, see ya. Bye, bye. Bye.